Shalom, everyone. I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries. Welcome to another edition of Messianic World Update. Today's date is Friday, December 23rd of the year 2022. Happy Hanukkah to all of you. Hope you're enjoying your holiday period here in the winter time frame. So let's talk about um, the new government of Israel, Netanyahu, and he has fulfilled the mandate. He has put a government together. There's a couple of laws that have to get through the Knesset so that the government is fully formed and redefined. As I shared with you before, um, the government of Israel, how it operates, is based by a government act that is enacted in the Knesset. There's a couple of changes they made to it for as they brought the different ministers in. And so the government will be in place with those laws passed by January 2nd. That's when we're going to watch and see what really happens. Now, there's all kinds of people, um, mostly liberal, who are very concerned about the Netanyahu government. It obviously is the most right-wing, most religious, most conservative um, government that Israel has ever had. Uh, there are many liberal Jewish people that are very concerned about what may happen, uh, particularly when religious authorities get into power and what they may do to restrict uh, some of the freedoms. As you know, there are three members of the um, Netanyahu's government that are, have reputations for being very conservative, very right-wing, and very as, as the liberals would say, extreme. Uh, Smotrich is now going to be in charge of a, a section of the IDF, particularly the IDF operations that are in the West Bank, where the Palestinians are at. Ben Gavir is going to be in charge of the police department within the West Bank, as well as on the Temple Mount. And there's another man that I haven't mentioned too much before. His name is Avi Moaz. He is deputy minister, along with uh, Netanyahu. And he has made a series of public statements in the past where he is anti-LGBQT. And so the uh, homosexual community, gay pride folks, and so forth, they're very concerned about him. He has made public statements about the effect of that those shouldn't be permitted uh, in the land. Uh, the Biden government, and this is through the words of Tony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, has been somewhat reserved about welcoming in the new Netanyahu government. And essentially what they've said is this, rather than make uh, decisions based on personalities that may be in his government, they'll make decisions with regard to policies that the government may uh, carry out. And there's uh, certain advocates in the United States government, uh, liberal elements, that want to force Israel to do basically the United States bidding, and they're threatening the relationship of the defense support the United States gives to Israel. There is a very, very strong relationship between the DOD and the United States and the IDF in Israel, and there's a, a tremendous security agreement. A lot of intel that Israel collects is shared with the United States um, to the benefit of the United States, and they're saying, let's leverage that. Well, I don't know that that's such a great idea even for the United States to do that, particularly since the president has now officially accepted the fact that the Iran negotiations for that with that whole situation is dead. And he finally said the words, it's dead. It's not going anywhere. 
And Iran is still now sponsoring terrorism, getting more involved with the Russians. Um, Israel has been approaching the U.S. by saying, we need to come up with a plan B. Now, plan B is what do you do if you're not going to have a diplomatic agreement with Iran concerning their nuclear program? Plan B is that you would put together a military option and you would now begin to use threat and military threat and military action to get Iran to conform. Israel is promoting the plan B, has been for a long time. Netanyahu was always saying, excuse me, um, President Biden was always saying, let's do a diplomatic thing, so let's not talk about that. But the DOD and uh, the IDF are clearly working on, quote, plan B and practicing and getting ready for that. What does that mean in the future as to how that will get played out? We don't know, but we do know this. Iran is boldly announcing that they have enriched a whole bunch more nuclear material up to the 60% state. You have to get to 90% to be a weapons grade, and 60% is the bulk of the enrichment that has to be done. So that means they can take it from 60 to 90 very easily. It is estimated at the moment that Iran has about 132 pounds of 60% enriched material. Uh, they're well on their way to being able to develop multiple weapons uh, from that. Uh, the, uh, at the same time, uh, there, it's obvious that Iran is transferring weapons to Russia, uh, specifically their suicide drones, and Russia is purchasing those and using them against Ukraine. And in fact, there was a recent attack in Ukraine that knocked out the power grid that came from a whole series of Iranian suicide drones. Now, uh, when Ukraine has complained about that, <laughs> interestingly, Iran has saying, we're not selling any drones to Russia. You're, you're, you know, you're blaming us for something we haven't done. And everybody's just laughing over that. It's very clear, and U.S. intelligence is suggesting this, that in exchange for weapons to Russia to supplement their lack of ammo they have at the moment in dealing with Ukraine, that Russia is willing to cooperate with Iran and help them with other weapon technology. What already has been mentioned is some fighter jets being transferred to uh, Iran and training for the pilots, uh, new anti-air defenses, the, the best Russian air defenses, and they're even asking for Russia to help build new ships uh, for the Iranian Navy to be used in the Persian Gulf. All of those would change the balance of military power in the Middle East. It would require different kinds of responses on the part of the U.S. and other nations. Saudi Arabia is obviously very concerned about this. They tried to initiate some discussions with them. But Iran came back and blamed Saudi Arabia for helping to stir up the protests that are going on in Iran right now. And if you recall back a couple of months ago, there was an Iranian woman who refused to wear the covering over her hair. She was arrested by the political religious police, taken into custody, and was killed. And this has caused widespread protests throughout all of Iran. And many people have, uh, people have already been executed. Uh, the protests are widespread in multiple cities against the repression of the religious leaders in Iran. 
Supposedly, Saudi Arabia was lending some kind of support to the protesters. Iran is objecting to them, and so bad words being said between Iran and Saudi Arabia. With all of this activity going on with Iran trying to gear up and be even more hostile, they're becoming even more threatening in the the Persian Gulf region. But now clearly Europe and the United States sees the threat of Iran expanding into Europe, particularly in the Russia-Ukrainian war. All of that is causing uh, great concern, and the pressure is building more and more about what are we going to do about Iran. Um, Israel just, uh, while we're talking, has constantly been doing this, and just recently there was more airstrikes in Syria, taking out Hezbollah drone manufacturing, taking out weapons uh, manufacturing that's taking place in Syria. And one of the statements that Israel just got through making, which is very interesting about that, they are picking up on that Iran is using an Iranian airline, which is supposed to carry passengers, and they're using those aircraft to fly weapons and parts into the Beirut airport. Now, normally they do it to Damascus. They fly them into Syria and then take them across the border. But now there's evidence that they're attempting to do it into the Beirut airport. Israel has sent notice that if they continue to do that, Israel will take out the Beirut airport. They will bomb uh, the Beirut airport and render it of none effect. And they will treat those airliners uh, that Iran is using as hostile military transport. So those are some of the latest things that are going on with that. Um, Because of the holiday season that we're in, some of the other news cycles calmed down. It's, It's kind of funny because around the world, everybody just kind of settles in at this time of the year for a little bit. And uh, so you don't have that much activity. But one of the things that I think is, uh, as far as for us as brethren, that we should be aware of, the days that we're living in, they're increasingly dangerous, and they're increasingly more and more threatening. And while we see this is consistent with what the Messiah said about the beginning of sorrows, um, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilences, and they, the love of many will grow cold. Violence is taking place in all the cities. Criminal activity is off the scales. Um, all of this is raising a certain level of fear within people. As believers, <clears throat> we are commanded to not be afraid. Our fear is supposed to be strictly limited to the fear of God. The fear of God is not dread. It is, it's awe. And it, it commands our attention so that the other fears that are out there in the world don't have their effect on us. Because if you're worried and concerned about what's going on in the world and you become fearful to it, it immobilizes you. It, it depresses you. It discourages you. It challenges your faith. Um, and it's very difficult for you to have a sense of peace or happiness for that matter. Um, the Lord doesn't want that. The Lord commands us to, our fear is to be of him, which will be helpful and peaceful to us, and that we're not to fear the things of the world. Instead, we're supposed to take our fears and cast them upon him. And that's a very direct, specific thing for us to do. That's the word I want to leave you with this week. I'll take you to Psalms 34, verse 4. There's a whole host of verses that say this, but 
chapter 34, verse 4 says the following, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Uh, I think the first step of these days that we're in, the last days, that if we can learn how to cast our fears onto him for the things that we see coming, then it will enable us to even trust him even more when the events of the great tribulation begin to unfold before us and when we come to the final days. So I leave you with that encouragement. Cast your fears upon the Lord and let him be the deliverance for you from those fears. Shalom, everyone. 